0: Share the blessing of assembly and fellowship and of worship, and I'm very thankful to have this opportunity to to study a portion of God's word with you. I want to thank uh, Brother Monty for the reading and for the uh, the song of the morning. I love that song. Um, you know, it talks about that Christ is our all in all, um, and that is the theme of what we're going to be talking about, studying about in the month of December is that Christ is our everything. He is our all in all. You know, one of the verses <clears throat> of that song in Christ Alone says that he was fullness of God and helpless babe. You know, that is a great mystery, isn't it? And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, that Jesus is, in fact, God with us. And we're going to look at some of the things that the Bible reveals about the person of Christ and the, the very special amazing gift of God that he has given us through Jesus. God has always had a plan. We know that the Bible teaches us that even before the world began, that God had a plan to redeem us, to, re, to restore us to himself through Jesus Christ. And we know that shortly after the creation, that that man, that what God knew would happen did happen, that man sinned, that that man fell to sin, and that he was separated from God. And from that point forward, God had a plan and was working his plan to redeem us to him. Ten generations after Adam, we see that the world had become so uh, evil, so wicked, that it repented God that he had even created man. And so he made the decision he was going to wipe the earth clean. He was going to destroy men from the earth, but the scripture says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we know that through Noah and his family, they were saved by, by the uh, grace of God through their obedience to God. And that basically the world started over. God started over with Noah and his family. And then 10 generations later, God began to reveal to us his plan for salvation through a man named Abraham ten generations later. And when Abraham was 75 years old, God said this to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. And that last promise, you know, there's three promises that God made to Abraham. There's actually more, but three um, primary promises. And one was that he was going to give that land that he would show him as to his descendants as an inheritance. Number two, that he was going to make of his descendants a great nation. And number three, that through his descendants, that all nations of the earth would be blessed. So, we, as we go, we fast forward. First of all, we want to understand again, Abraham's 75 years old. When God calls him, he makes these promises that through his descendants, these things are going to happen. But we also find out that Abraham has no children. So uh, so God's got some promises to fulfill and Abraham believes God. And so he obeys God. Um, we advance forward and we we, we see that Uh, Abraham obeys God, he goes to that land, and for 25 years he dwells in that land. And for 25 years he still has no children. And through all these years, Abraham was wondering, when is God going to fulfill this promise to me that Sarah and I will have a child? And finally, when Abraham is 99 years old, God sends his angels to him to reveal to Abraham that a year from now, Again, he's 99 years old. A year from now, he'll be 100. He said, Sarah's going to have a child. And Sarah, who hears this in the tent, she laughs within herself. And the angel says, why did Sarah laugh? Does she think anything is too hard for God? Because at that point, it was impossible for them to have children. And so we see that it was going to be by the power of God that this was going to happen. And a year later, that, in fact... A child is born, and when that child is born, God says, You'll name him Isaac, and we know that Isaac means laughter, and so God had the last laugh. That what he said would come to pass did come to pass. And then we go, we advance forward a few more years, and and Isaac is growing up, and, and he is the love of Abraham and Sarah's life, the apple of their eye, their only child. And when he reaches a certain age, God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice to me. You can imagine the feelings that Abraham had to have this. God, you made all these promises to me. We waited all these years and now you want me to offer Abraham as a sacrifice, Isaac as a sacrifice. But the scripture says that the next morning, Abraham obeyed. He took Isaac and he took some servants and he took the makings of, of took wood to, for a burnt offering and they went to the place that God told him to go, in the, to a mountain in the land of Moriah. He got there, he told the servants, wait here as the, as the lad and I go and worship and we know that he goes up there and he's prepared to take the life of Isaac. How could Abraham do that? The, the book of Hebrews tells us that he had such faith in God. He knew that God would fulfill his promise even if he had to raise Isaac from the dead. And so as he was prepared to do this, the angel of the Lord stopped him and he said, Do the child no harm. And then he goes on to say, the the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven, and he said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Think about those words that the Lord spoke to Abraham. What did he just ask Isaac? Abraham to do to give up his only son to for God as a sacrifice, but God was pointing forward some 2,000 years when it was God who would give his only son for the descendants of Abraham, for the spiritual children of Abraham, your only son. And then he said, This blessing, I will bless you. He repeats that promise. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand of the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The Apostle Paul reveals to us that that seed indeed was Christ. He said in in Galatians chapter 3 to Abraham, Abraham and his seed Were the promises made, and he did not say, Into seeds as of many, but as of one, into your seed, which is Christ. Throughout the Old Testament, God gave us clues as to who the Messiah would be, who the Christ would be. Number one, he was going to be a descendant of Abraham. We also know that he was going to be a descendant of David, uh, as God promised to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. He said, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up a seed after you who will come from your body and will establish his kingdom. He will come from your body. He's going to be one of your physical descendants. So the Christ, the Messiah, was going to be a descendant of Abraham. He was going to be a descendant of David. And he would establish his kingdom. He he shall build a house for my name. David wanted to build the house of God, the temple. And and the Lord says, you're not going to build that house, but your descendant will build the true spiritual house of God. And we know that that house, as Paul wrote to Timothy, that that house of God is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And that Jesus said to Peter when he made the confession that he was the cross, that upon this rock I will build my church. He will build a house for my name, and he will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. His, his kingdom would be an eternal kingdom. So all of these clues, these things we see about who the Messiah would be. And lastly, and I will be his father, and he shall be my son. He would be the son of God. God states it very clearly here that this descendant of David, this descendant of Abraham would indeed be the Son of God. So he would only, not only be a son of Abraham and a son of David and heir to his throne, but he would be the Son of God. <clears throat> Is it any wonder that the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to begin his gospel with these words, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. Matthew was saying, understand that this is the fulfillment of those promises that God made to both Abraham and to David, that those are fulfilled in Jesus, who is the Christ. The Holy Spirit revealed much about the Messiah and who he is through the prophet Isaiah. We could could take a lot of scriptures from the Old Testament. We want to look at just a couple uh, here this morning. This is a verse you're probably familiar with. I, I know I've spoken on this more than once. Uh, But it's a very powerful verse. Uh, When Isaiah was the prophet, in between that time, after the dividing of Israel and Judah, uh, some 750 years before the time of Christ, a lot was going to happen immediately following this time and in the time of Isaiah and shortly afterward, including that those divided nations were both going to fall and be taken into captivity. First, Israel would be taken... Captive by Assyria and would never return as a people. And then Judah also would be taken captive by the Babylonians. There was much uh, there was much a lack of spiritualness among the children of Israel at this time. And it was a very dark time in their history. But God gives them this wonderful prophecy about what was to come. And about God's spiritual plan that he was going to fulfill. And he says, for unto us, he wrote... Through Isaiah, as Isaiah prophesied, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. So into this darkness comes this wonderful light, this wonderful message about what God was going to accomplish. And he says, for unto us a child is born. <clears throat> We've already talked about the, who that child was going to be, a descendant of Abraham, Abraham and a descendant of David. And he makes it very clear that the Messiah would be born into this world, that he indeed would be the son of man, that he would be human and he says unto us a son is given unto us a child is born unto us a son is given who is giving him god the father it is god who will give this son which again gives us a clue into who the person of this messiah the person of jesus is he confirms those things that we've already talked about that the promises made to david that he would be a ruler And he confirms that this is the same person he's talking about by saying there will be no end of his government or of his rule upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. Again, we're talking about the same Messiah, and so he's making these these great points. But we want to focus in on these particular words about the person of the Messiah. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mighty God, everlasting Father. Who is the Messiah going to be? In fact, Isaiah has revealed that he would be a son born into this world, but he would also be the son of God, given by God. In fact, this son would be God, mighty God. What a great mystery this was to understand and to look forward to. In Isaiah chapter 7, we go back a couple of chapters. In Isaiah chapter 7, there was a man named, the king of, Israel, of Judah at that time was named Ahaz. And Ahaz uh, was not a great king. <laughs> but the scripture tells us that uh, Syria and Israel, their own brethren, were joining together in their armies and they were going to make war against Judah. And God tells Isaiah to go to Ahaz and tell him it's going to be all right. Don't worry about this, they're not going to prevail. And uh, he goes on, Isaiah goes on to tell Ahaz, he said, and the Lord says, ask of him a sign and he will give you a sign. He will give you a confirmation of whatever you ask for. And Ahaz says, no, no, I I don't want to bother God with giving me a sign or anything like that. And, uh, but Isaiah says, well, God's going to give you a sign anyway. In fact, it's not specifically to you, Ahaz, but it is to the house of David. Then he said, Hear, O oh now, how, O oh house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but, you, but will you weary very, my very God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a sign and call his name Emmanuel. So this is kind of out of the blue, isn't it? So Ahaz could have asked for a sign from God, but he didn't. But God says, I'm going to give you a sign, and it's not just for you. This is a sign not only for you, but for all the house of Israel and for all time of Israel that this is what's going to happen, that a virgin will conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So we see, again, the Messiah would be a descendant, a son, a descendant of Abraham a son, a descendant of David. He would be the son of God. He would be born into this world in a miraculous way of a virgin. That he he would not be a created being but but he would be eternal God with us. You know, we see the fulfillment of this prophecy that God, this sign that God gave to Israel in Matthew, the first chapter. When... um, When The scripture tells us that Joseph, when he realized that Mary was with child, not knowing it was of the Holy Spirit, that he thought being a just man, he would put her away privately. But the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and says this, But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So there are several key things that the angel tells Joseph here. Number one, he calls Joseph the son of David. Again, we remember that Jesus is going to be a descendant of David. And, and the point is made that the Holy Spirit repeats the, the promises, the fulfillment of the promises that God has always made. He says, For that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. This was a miraculous thing. This was the design of God, and this was the work of God that this would come to pass. And she will bring forth a son. Unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God has always had a plan that he was going to redeem us to himself through his son Jesus. And the purpose for what Jesus came was to save us from our sins. The next verse says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That indeed, Jesus is, Jesus was God with us. The Apostle John, in his writing, made it very clear who Jesus is, who Jesus was. It said in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So the Word of God, the eternal Word of God, and John goes on to tell us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. That eternal God became flesh and blood. John tells us that he was in the beginning with God, and that all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning, the scripture tells us that God created the heavens and the earth, and everything that is in the universe was created. And it tells, John tells us that the creative force of God was the eternal word, or was Jesus Christ. Jesus is the is the creative force behind everything that we see and by everything that we are, that Jesus was eternal God and all things were created by him. Philippians chapter 2, Paul, and throughout the New Testament, we see this evidence, this this, um, drumbeat of who Jesus is, that he is eternal God. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, Paul wrote, Let this mind be, with, be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, who being in the form of God, that Jesus was eternal, that Jesus was in the beginning with God, the eternal word, and being in the form of God, he did not consider it something to be clung to, but he made of himself no reputation and took upon himself the form of a bondservant coming in the likeness of men. <clears throat> so again, the word was made flesh and dwelt, dwelt among us. That eternal God became flesh and blood in the form, in the person of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you know, Jesus himself confirmed this, and we can we can look at many examples in the New testament of in the life of Jesus that pointed the fact of who he was that he was eternal God Uh, one of the most uh, obvious I guess we found in John the eighth chapter and in this chapter Jesus is going back and forth with with the Pharisees um, and with the scribes and they're making points Jesus said that if 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 one keeps my words he will never die and they said if one keeps your words, it will never die. Well, Abraham's dead, and the prophets, are you saying that, are you saying that they weren't doing the will of God, not understanding the spiritual nature of the life that we have in Christ? But Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and yet you have seen Abraham? <laughs> You're how could this be? How could this possibly be that you're not even 50 years old and you're saying that you've seen Abraham? And not only that, but Abraham saw your day and rejoiced in it. You know, we looked at, some, we looked at those examples in the life of Abraham when God pointed to the day of Christ. But maybe there's more here than that. In fact, that much like Moses and Elijah saw Christ in his time on earth, that maybe there was a time that Abraham did too. Regardless, Jesus said that Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced to see it and was glad. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so Jesus makes it very clear that he refers to himself as I am. And we recognize that back from Exodus when Moses stood before the burning bush and God told him to take off his sandals because the place he stood was holy ground and God told him what he was calling him to do to go back to Egypt and to deliver his people from that Egyptian bondage and Moses said but who will I say sent me when they ask your name who will I say sent me and he said you tell them that I am has sent you. I am that I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. And who does Jesus refer to himself as? Before Abraham was, he didn't say I was. He says I am. And this was very clearly a to the Jewish people who he was speaking to, a reference to himself as being eternal God. <clears throat> Because what did they do? It says, then they took up stones to throw at him. They wanted to kill him. They were ready to put him to death right there because of what he was, who he saying, was saying he was. But because he was who he was, it says, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. It was not Jesus' time. They would not be successful in killing him. But it was very clear Who Jesus was saying that he was. And then that brings us to the the reading of this morning. Thank you, Brother Monty, for doing that reading for us. The things that the, the writer of the book of Hebrews reveals to us about the person of Christ. Tells us God who at sundry at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Throughout the Old Testament, God spoke directly to people for a period of time to the fathers to Adam, to Noah, to Abraham and Isaac, and to Jacob, but then from the time of Moses forward, beginning with Moses, God only spoke to the people through the prophets, but God is saying, the writer is saying that God has spoken throughout time in different ways and in different manners, but in these last days, the days that you and I live in today, the the days of the Christian age, God has spoken to us by his son. The final word. The fulfillment of God, all of God's promises are found in Christ. The fulfillment of all of God's plans are found in Christ and it is the message of Christ that is in what we call the New Testament. That is the authoritative, authoritative word of Christ that he has given to us and that is the final word of God that we will have before Jesus returns again. He has spoken to us through his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. It's an interesting verse, isn't it? <clears throat> because what it's telling us is that, number one, he's going he's to tell us next, through Him, through whom he also made the worlds. So, so Jesus was the creator of all things. He's also the heir of all things. Why? Because eternal God became flesh and blood. He became human. And in his human body, he was fully God and he was fully man. <clears throat> and being fully man, he was obedient to the will of God on the cross. And being the firstborn from the, from the dead, <clears throat> the firstborn from the grave, the first who would be resurrected, he was appointed heir of all things, all things that would come to pass from here on. All things, the scripture tells us that, Again, all things were made by him. There's some parallel verses in Colossians chapter 1 um, that say this. Speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, or he who has preeminence over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created through Him and for Him. Christ is our everything. He is our all in all. The theme of the Bible from the beginning to the end is Jesus Christ. The the theme of our lives from the time that we are obedient to the gospel is Jesus Christ. He is our all in all. But by Him and through Him and for Him were all things created, the Apostle Paul says both things that are visible and those things that are invisible, both the things that are in earth and those things which are in heaven, those heavenly beings that we read about uh, in the scripture, the angels um, were created by or through Christ and for Christ. That's a very powerful statement, isn't it? It's kind of hard to wrap our minds around, isn't it? It's hard to understand how, eternal God could, could become flesh and blood. But we understand that God is, is one. The scripture tells us there is one God and God is one, but in God there are three persons who are one, and that being the Father and the Word or the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's sometimes hard for us to wrap our mind around. In fact, it's always hard <laughs> to wrap our mind around, isn't it? There's th- certain things that are just hard for us to understand. But we don't have to fully understand it. We just have to believe it. That eternal God became, he who created all things became flesh and blood for us. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Again, he was the express image of, of his person of god's image he was god in the flesh we remember the words of jesus when philip asked him show us the father and jesus said i have been with you all this time and you're saying show us the father he who has seen me has seen the father he was the fullness of the godhead the scriptures tell us in flesh in a human body and upholding all things by the word of his power This is another another very powerful phrase, that not only did Jesus create all things, but it is by the the, the power of the word of Christ that the universe continues to exist and continues to function, that all the things around us and ourselves are upheld by the power of the word of Christ. When he had by himself purged our sins... God himself in the person of Jesus Christ, the most amazing thing that we can imagine became sin for us and did for us what we could never do for ourselves, in purging our sins and making a way for our redemption. And is sat down at the right hand of of the majesty on high, making intercession for you and I, that God, that Jesus is God with us. He was God with us when he was upon the earth, and he is God with us now, that he's promised he will never leave us nor forsake us, and he lives to make intercession for us with the Father. We close with these thoughts from Hebrews chapter 2. Well, the, The writer of Hebrews says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, that being me and you, he himself likewise shared in the same. He became flesh and blood for us that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus came, became flesh and blood for us to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. <clears throat> for indeed, sorry, <clears throat> for indeed he does not give aid to the angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Jesus didn't come to... Redeemed the angels, he came to redeem the seed of Abraham. He, became, he came to redeem humankind, you and I, to do for us what we could never do, to live a, a sinless life so that he could be the only one and true sacrifice that could take away our sins, that could pay the penalty, the price for our sins, and to redeem us. And we think, well, that maybe that was easy for Jesus, right? Because he was the son of God. He was God. He was the son of God and the son of man. But, you know, if you think about it, the scripture tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted, yet without sin. And which is harder, to resist sin or to give in to sin? Through Jesus' life, he never gave in to sin. He lived the perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice to do for us for what we could never do for ourselves. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I hope there's been something in the lesson this morning that has been encouraging to you and helpful to you. It's most amazing to understand who Jesus is, that he is eternal God and that he became flesh. to be God with us never knowing the minds of those present if we can assist you this morning in obedience to the gospel or if we can assist you with prayer we invite you to come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected